Coming up on Chasing the Natty, week 12 and the first round of most people's playoffs are in the books. We got a lot to get to you guys. We got a review of 2021. We got to talk about a crazy, crazy ending in the King's Classic CFF Experts League. So much fun to talk about there. We got waiver wire pickups for you guys for championship week. And we have a ton of great games from this past weekend to get to. All of that and more right after this. Goes to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! Watch out for Mr. Robinson. This kid is going to be special and is already flashing. This is Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. Um, once again, we got a crazy, crazy week of college football. This season's probably been one of the better ones in recent memory of just constantly every weekend, never really been a boring weekend. Constantly, somebody's getting upset. Playoff picture constantly changing this year. Uh, division races constantly changing. It's been a wild one. And y'all, I'm ashamed of myself. And the reason why I'm ashamed of myself is not once during that opening preview did i mention that tonight we have joining us the great og of college fantasy football probably the godfather of the industry right now i'd say but mr john lobb the gridiron scholar himself john how you doing tonight man i'm doing good i'm not doing as good as justin heisey (laughs) i have to say that and we'll talk about justin I had five playoff games myself um, yesterday. I only won two. Um, you know, got beat in three. One game I'm really mad because I benched um, Traylon Burks. I had, him in, I had him in four of the five leagues. I just felt like, what if Alabama shuts him down? So I benched him in two, started him in two, and that decision cost me in one. But I'll live with it. You know, I made that decision. You move on. But, mm-hmm. man, we can start talking about the Kings Classic. And why don't we go? We were playing for the belt. Jared, how much are you in pain right now looking at the belt? That belt would have looked so good wrapped around me and Xavier. Do you know how memeable that image would have been, that belt <laughs> wrapped around both of our skinny little bodies? All right? Like, that would have been absolutely incredible. Uh, but uh, uh, the the college football gods had other plans. Uh, shall I describe the ending of this matchup? I, well, I why can... don't we just? It was an incredible, incredible game. And you know, I had um, visions in my head of a double gif of you with the play college fantasy football that that yes. one picture, and then the other one with the belt wrapped around you, and the other. But you know, we move on. We move but on. The King's Classic was um, twelve experts. We got together mm-hmm. in August at the King's Classic Expo. Unfortunately, not all of us was there because the pandemic. There were some people concerned, and actually, one of our owners actually tested positive right before 
the oh, pandemic, yeah, that's right. so they couldn't make the trip out. But Jared and Justin and Xavier made it all the way to the championship game. What's most impressive, you and Justin were the third and fourth seeds. Both of you in the semifinals knocked out the top two seeds, which I did mm-hmm. not think could be done. And you guys, in my, I think this is my 14th year. I forgot what I posted. 14th or 15th year. I've never seen a championship game like that in my in my life of playing this game. Unbelievable. I've seen a few regular season games, but nothing with that much on the line. So, my friend, why don't you tell the viewers what happened? So, final score of this game, I believe, if I can pull it up here real quick, but it's the final score effectively was a very high-scoring game, even for this league. Uh, 258 to 257. And effectively, what happened was uh, Xavier and I's team got out to a lead. We got to about one fi- uh, 257. And what ended up happening was Justin had Devin Tompkins and David Bailey as his two final players. Um, I knew I knew we were in trouble at that point because I believe he only needed 37 points between the two of them in order to win the day. And, and we have a PPR league. Yes. So, so that's very reasonable. It's a, extremely reasonable. Once I did the math and I said, okay, he needs 18 and a half points from both, of, from both of these guys on average. I'm like, okay, we're in trouble here. And Devin Tompkins goes off in the first quarter against Hawaii <laughs> and like has a touchdown, like 60 yards, I think like five receptions. I'm like, oh God, if he keeps this up, we're done. We're done. But then he disappears the rest of the game. And I'm like, okay, okay. Got something going here. Got something going here. He's got like 17 points. He's going to need a big day big day out of David Bailey. David Bailey, awful first half. Um, probably like fit, like um, like um, like 20-something yards in the first half. Um, like, and, yes. <laughs> and like two, two receptions for like 16 yards. And I think it was like eight points. I'm like, okay. Okay. He keeps us up. We're good. We're good. Second half starts. Um, hope, uh, Colorado State has one drive where David Bailey has a 24-yard run. I'm like, okay, not great. But Hawaii starts scoring a lot. That game scripts David Bailey out of it in terms of his rushing ability. I'm like, oh my God, is this happening? Is this happening? (laughs) We get into the fourth quarter. David Bailey has not touched the ball in a while. And he touches the ball twice in the fourth quarter. Once was a 31-yard touchdown run. Again, he hasn't touched the ball the entire quarter. First time he touches the ball, 31-yard touchdown. I'm like, oh my God. That was a nail in the coffin. I go and check the score, and Justin is down by like 0.9 points. And I'm like, oh my God, all we need to do is just David Bailey cannot touch the football again, and we can do this. And he doesn't touch the football again until the final minute of the game. Of the game, he gets a seven-yard reception. To tell you how close this was, if he ran seven yards, we would have won the game, but because it was a reception, it was enough to put Justin over the top, and that was it. Final. Like, it was. It was an incredible game. It was two hundred and fifty-eight point six four to two hundred and fifty-seven point eight six. So, Justin, congratulations! What a great season of CFF Insiders. You mm-hmm. can go to mine or. Um, Jared's Twitter feed, and you can find Justin if you want to. Absolutely. But what a great game. You both had solid drafts. 
And I want to say something important to the viewers. Justin made the playoffs because I believe this as a rule that I implemented this year. And I got it from playing high stakes NFL fantasy football. The third seed should not be based on record. The third seed should be based on points scored. Top two seeds are record. They get in. Mm -hmm. Then of the remaining 10 teams, the team with the most points scored is a third seed. And then the fourth seed is the last best record. And you you can have tiebreakers. I always suggest the first tiebreaker is total points scored. I would agree. Tends to be a better measure of your team. What I like about that is it balances you if you have a bad schedule. Mm-hmm. If for whatever reason you kept losing, I bring that up because Justin was five and five. Mm-hmm. But he would have missed the playoffs if you if we had implemented a standard one through four record. Mm-hmm. But because he got in as a number three seed, he scored 2198. And that rewards the player mm-hmm. who's putting in a lineup every week, who's sitting there on Saturdays at, you know, 1130 looking for inactives, at 330 looking mm-hmm. for inactives. Justin did it. He got in with the point scored and he won it. And Justin, if you are watching, the belt is in the mail soon. It will arrive at your house. It'll be great. I have not met Justin. I did meet Jared last year at the Kings Classic. We'll meet him again next summer. But next year, I hope to meet Justin at the Kings Classic. I've known him for a long time now, five Mm -hmm. years. But we've never actually met. So can't wait. Congratulations, Justin. And Jared, your team was amazing. I mean, you can't. I know, you know, you want the belt. I get it. But, man, to lose by .78, there's nothing you can do, my friend. And I, again, I had to, again, obviously, again, last score happened at 3 a.m. I had to go to bed at that point, but I couldn't, I I couldn't fall asleep. But like, because again, it was just so frustrating because it was so close. But again, I'll pat myself and Xavier on the back here. This is our first year of being like publicly CFF experts, putting out our content and everything. We hopped into an expert league john thank you for inviting us by the way for in the first place uh you're welcome but we hopped into an expert league um with people who have been doing this for some some of them longer than we've been alive (laughs) and we came within 0.8 points of winning the championship in our first year i again it sucks we didn't win but i can't help but not be proud of that or i can't help but be proud of that of uh, me and Xavier. So unfortunately, it was a great run. Great run. And, and oh, for our listeners, they lost their starting quarterback, Sam Howell. I believe he was your first pick. Was he your first round pick? He was our second round pick. We went second David Bell pick. in the first. Okay. So the, you lost your number one and you still only lost by seven tenths. So that's amazing, my friend. Uh, yeah, it, again, it's it's definitely one of those things where you go through the lineup and you're sitting there thinking like if only if like one reception more something here. Kenneth Walker, we'll get to him later in uh, that uh, that game and everything like it that. Cost me a, a game too, but uh, <laughs> we'll get to that later. But anyway, we've talked about this long enough. But John, I do want to get your thoughts real quick before we move into waiver wires and stuff like that. You have been doing CFF um, for a long time. 
And you, I feel like, are one of the best people in the industry in terms of just getting a pulse on the industry, a pulse on just how CFF is doing in terms of overall the fantasy world and everything like that. So I just want to ask, what do you think of CFF in 2021? Any major changes you've really seen? Any developments that you're really starting to see? What do you think? Well, I do think the industry is growing. I thought we had made a major step after the 2019 season. And I really, you know, before the pandemic, I had gotten so excited. We were actually going to do the Kings Classic in the summer of 2019. Mm -hmm. um, but then with the pandemic, um, Bob Lung, the, he had the leagues and they drafted virtually. But I didn't want to do the first ever experts college fantasy football virtually. Mm -hmm. So we postponed the idea until 20, um, 2021. It was amazing. But what I've seen, and this is just kind of anecdotal, but I've been on Twitter now since 2014 to see the exponential growth of college fantasy football. There are more and more people who are providing um, their expertise, their opinions, their statistical analysis. It does coincide with the rise of draftniks. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's just so many people watching college football more than ever before, at least in the Twitterverse. Mm -hmm. um, I think this, um, what is it, Campus to Canton is a great idea. I think Debbie it's huge. Yeah, Debbie football is a great idea. And they're so close to college fantasy football that it's bringing up the whole industry, mm -hmm. DFS now has college fantasy football. So there's people motivated to learn the game for profit and just to have mm -hmm. a little bit of gambling. I want to watch a game. Let me have a little bit of interest in Oklahoma State. You know, you could have picked up some players, even though I did play Jalen Waddle and he was not Jalen Waddle. Uh, Jalen, who, who's the running back? Why did he? Oh, Jalen Warren. Jalen Warren, he burned me last night. That's a different story. Yeah. But, you know, I'm watching the game for that. So I do see that. I'm also, the one thing that I've said, the waiver wire is just as important as it mm -hmm. always is. I think having played, this is my 34th year of NFL, 14th year of college. The college fantasy football waiver wire is even more important than the NFL waiver wire. And people might think it's crazy, but I was just looking at, oh, where is it? I want to do something. I posted my initial, I like to publish my um, waiver wire All-American team in CFF. Mm -hmm. Just look at these names that were not, that were all drafted in less than like 20% of leagues. Sam Hartman, Kenneth Walker, Rasheen Ali, Devin Tompkins, Dontavian mm -hmm. Wicks, and your boy, the one good Georgia player, Brock <laughs> Bowers. But I mean, Think if you had picked up everyone, I'm not saying you anyone could, but if you picked up everyone, you would have run away with your league no matter what your draft was. Exactly. No matter what. And those, so, and waiver wire isn't just the waiver wire. To me, it also includes the weekly, I need a starting quarterback. Mm -hmm. I, so I have a bye week. I have a player who got injured. You know, so to me, when you put that all together, the weekly management is awesome. And I'll say this this year. A lot of people are complaining about the NFL. And it's interesting. 
because I play college, it's just more similar to college now. Mm-hmm. There, you got to always work the waiver wire. Rosters, mm-hmm. NFL rosters, college rosters churn over every month, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm just so used to it. In college fantasy football, it doesn't bother me that we have the NFL is now similar in many ways. I mean, Cam Newton probably won people super flex in two quarterback leagues. I was so desperate this week. I picked up Trevor Simeon. He had scored like 27 points, dude. Check this out. I had a dynasty team with Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. I feel like I'm set for like, you know, I've had this now for three years. I wake up and they're like, Lamar is having some gastral and just gas. He might not play. I'm like, whoa, I had to pick up Simeon. Hey, he had 27 points, but you know what? Because I play college fantasy football, I am so used to it, Jared. You look through who's available. You make the best analysis you can, Mm -hmm. and you let it roll, baby. I mean, college fantasy football has taught me that. The other thing, I think anyone who listened to me early in this season on my podcast, I think one thing I jumped on earlier than most, the ACC was the new Big 12. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it took a lot of people to realize the fireworks that were in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Look at this. This is the top 10 quarterbacks. This is just the most. These are season producers. Cunningham is two. Armstrong is three. Pickett is four. Hartman is five. The ACC has four of the top five. Howell is seven. Mm-hmm. Think about it. they have five of the top seven college fantasy football quarterbacks and the one everyone drafted first. Your man, Sam Howell, finished in fifth place. Now, part of it, he's missed one game. Well, let's also not forget about uh, DJ Uyagalele, who a lot of people had oh, yeah. as a first round pick. And then all of a sudden he's out of out of it completely. Like again, Unbelievable. so many people just out of nowhere in the ACC this year. And the one guy we counted on that we were expecting to like light it up this year completely fell apart on us. And like, yeah, but that's what I love I about think, that's what I love ahead. about the industry is that it's constantly keeping you on your toes. Con- like again, we can project all day long at the draft, and I love draft season. I love running mock drafts. You saw this before oh, yeah. the season started and everything. I love that kind of stuff. But even more, I love going back at the beginning of this or at the end of the season, looking at my team that I initially drafted and said, "Wow, that worked out. Wow, that's what was I even thinking there?" Because hindsight, <laughs> hindsight is great in CFF because it's. I love how much the landscape change, changes in just one season. It's so much fun. Now, I, I think people weren't ready for that big shift. I mean, Oklahoma bottomed out. Mm-hmm. They weren't what they were early. None of the – I mean, what, did you feel Texas? I mean, they were switching quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. That was a, such you a know, pain. Like, all of a sudden – but what happened, maybe it's because I started watching a lot of ACC very early because I was scouting Sam Howell, mm-hmm. and then I started watching Wake Forest – Started watching Virginia, and I was just like, oh, my God, these teams are incredible. And all the receivers that were able, because of this proliferation of quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. well, that just explodes receivers all over the conference. So I think that was the first takeaway. Is the ACC, are they now going to be the old Big 12? My second one, it's the year of the rookie 
first rookie that's NFL. It is the year of the freshman running back. Mm -hmm. I said in 2019, it was the year of the freshman quarterback. If you were playing two years ago, there were so many good freshmen in 2019. This year, Rasheen Ali, 21 touchdowns, my friend, 1,142 yards rushing. And then we go to Travion Henderson, who people liked. Uh, no one said he was going to explode. I think he came a lot quicker than anyone else expected. 17 touchdowns mm -hmm. for him. Unbelievable. Keaton Mitchell of ECU. One of my favorites. Ten touchdowns, 1,077 yards. Alton McCaskill with 16 touchdowns for Houston. And then the final one who just came on, who he won me one of my games. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Won me a lot of money in DFS down the street. Braylon Anderson of Wisconsin, 12 touchdowns. But what did the, the vast majority come in the last six weeks, seven weeks? I mean, these freshman running backs we've had the privilege to watch this year. I mean, how many go in the first two? I think they'll all go in the first two rounds of drafts next year. And oh, they yeah. will probably more than half will be first round picks. I mean, Rashid Ali is the second most productive running back in all of college fantasy football. And he's a freshman dude. So that, I mean, those to me are the big, big takeaways. Waiver wire, ACC, and the college freshman running backs. I mean, those are, I, I agree with you 100%, John. Those are, those are absolutely huge takeaways from this season. Um, and I agree with you 100% about the, the industry growing, finding different ways to play. I think Campus Canton is a huge one uh, because a lot of people want to play Debbie. They want, uh, people like the idea of being first on certain prospects. They like the idea oh, of, of, of getting in early on these guys. And I think Campus Canton provides a great way to do a Debbie style sort of league but also allows you to actually let those players be um, earning you points. Like that's I, that's, the, You know, that's, that's funny because the one thing I didn't like about a classic Debbie league was I have a guy sitting on my bench and I don't get to enjoy him. And like, again, I, I, I was invited to a couple Debbie leagues this summer and I appreciate every and all invites. Yeah. Uh, but again, my big turnoff was I just like, I don't like, the, especially me being a college guy. I'm college yeah, yeah. over NFL all day long. And like, I just didn't like the idea of my college guys just kind of sitting there and I'm me praying and hoping that they get a uh, first, second round draft capital uh, when it comes around to it. But even as you said, uh, the industry is growing and there's no reason why it shouldn't continue to grow. College football is bigger than NFL in a lot of different parts of the country. Heck, I'm from the South uh, here in and Georgia. Right? I, it is massive compared to NFL. Like, I mean, it doesn't help that a lot of our teams are garbage down here, but even still, um, but college, college football is almost like a religion down here sometimes. And there's no reason why people down here shouldn't be in just as invested in college fantasy as well as NFL. All right, we've been talking about this a lot, but John, you always bring the best of analysis. So that's why I let you continue to talk there. But we got waiver wire pickups we want to talk about for this week. So we're going to go ahead and hit up those quarterbacks. Uh, I'm going to kind of run through. John, you stop me if you want to talk about a certain, project, uh, certain prospect. Uh, and then when we get to your guys, I will let you know and I'll let you kind of say your fill on them. So, 
First quarterback of the week here, I got Mr. Daquan Finn out of Toledo. Had a kind of a rough game last week. Um, just didn't, uh, Brian Kobach kind of stole the show. Um, he had an incredible week two weeks ago. Uh, and so if you have a quarterback with a rough week, well, there's uh, no, no better medicine uh, that the doctor can order except for playing Akron this week during championship <laughs> week. So I expect the Quan Finn, even if even if Brian Kopak uh, steals plenty of touchdowns, I expect the Quan Finn to be putting up plenty of work this week against them. So I think he is worth a pickup for this week if you're struggling at quarterback. Uh, next guy I got here, got Mr. Chase Bryce out of Appalachian State. Uh, three names here to really go along with him: Corey Sutton, uh, Hennigan, and Thomas Hennigan, and Malik Williams. Three great receivers in that passing game for them. And oh, by the way, they're playing Georgia Southern, who is currently 125th in the country against the pass. I see a matchup nightmare for them there. We've seen Chase Bryce really go off against a lot Not of bad passes. Not as bad pass- as Michigan State, but close. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so. Third quarterback I got going up here, uh, Mr. Clayton Toon. Sorry, John. We gotta pick. We gotta pick on. We gotta hey. pick on the Huskies. Clayton Toon. We've seen him go off with Nathaniel Dell there at wide receiver and uh, Jeremiah Payton as well. And with McCaskill kind of banged up right now, I wouldn't be shocked to see Houston then maybe try to turn to the passing game a little bit, even against uh, UConn this upcoming week. They're 99th against the pass. I expect. Tune to put up plenty of points if uh, they even if they take them out at some point during the game. So uh, next guy I got here, I got Mr. Seth Hennigan out of Memphis. Uh, basically, no other reason except he's got a lot of weapons to work with, similar to some of the other quarterbacks. You got Calvin Austin the third. We all love him to death. Uh, Javon Ivory is currently one of my favorite young players in the country right now. Uh, and they're also going up against Tulane, who's a 111th against the pass. So once again, just a good matchup quarterback here. Good guy, just pick up off your waiver. And John, I believe these last two guys are your guys, so I'm going to let you touch up on them. Thanks, my friend. I cannot believe how well Tyler Van Dyke is playing. Mm-hmm. He's completely turned around this Miami program. I've been riding him. And I have a one league with three quarterbacks and another league with three. Um, so, and obviously I, I only play in two quarterback leagues. So I've got a lot of this young man. I'll tell you what's impressive in my, when I'm looking at college numbers, he has a 9.3 yards per attempt. Mm-hmm. He throws the ball down the field. He also has an 8% touchdown completion. 8% of his throws are for touchdowns. That is mighty successful, my friends. Absolutely love Tyler Van Dyke this week. He plays Virginia Tech. Go pick him up. And they're at home. So I'm glad. On the road, maybe I might consider someone else, but I love him at home. I'll I'll butt in here, John. They played Virginia Tech last week. They played Duke this week. That's it, Duke. Who's 128th against the pass. Guys, even better. <laughs> I would say even better. Uh, guys, Van Dyke's about to light it up this week, and my guy Charleston Rambo has been the leader of that pa- or the leader of that receiving core for them. So he's worth picking up as well if he's available in your leagues. And John, and we just saw what Malik Cunningham did against them in the air and on the ground. Exactly. Oh, exactly. oh my God. Yeah. So this Tyler Van Dyke has the gridiron. Scholar stamp of approval, John. I don't know if you, I don't know if you can see the graphic there, but uh, I'm putting that up on all of your guys. So you got Tyler Van Dyke, and you got one more here. 
Who else you got, John? Hey, I've been scouting David Bell. And as I'm scouting him, I've been noticing Purdue's passing game. I'm not saying Aiden O'Connell, he's not an NFL prospect in my book. I don't think he has the arm strength. Different story. Mm -hmm. But I cannot ignore the last three games, 28, 31, and 32 fantasy points. Mm -hmm. And this week, he gets Indiana. Yes. They are among the worst defenses in all of college football. When you have David Bell and the weapons, and I'll talk about one other one later, when you have this wide receiver core, if you need a quarterback, Aiden O'Connell is your man of Purdue this week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I agree with you 100%. Uh, and again, you, you've mentioned his receiving core. Uh, well, I'll also throw in, uh, throw in uh, King Doru, their running back. Plenty of receptions go his way, so he's got options there. And then Payne Durham, his tight end, another great option for him. Um, I agree with you 100%, John, on Aiden O'Connell. I, I think I uh, believe I threw him into our uh, Waiver Wire Gemstones article a couple weeks ago. I wrote up his uh, wrote up his piece because of this exact matchup. I said uh, Purdue uh, against Indiana is an absolute dream scenario for you to have in your championship week. So absolutely pick up Aiden O'Connell. So I'll run through these guys again real quick. Um, just to review our quarterback pickups for this week, I'm putting out Daquan Finn out of Toledo. I got Chase Bryce out of Appalachian State. I got Clayton Toon out of Houston. I got Seth Hennigan out of Memphis. And then John's two picks for quarterbacks this week are Tyler Van Dyke out of Miami and Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue. So let us move on to our running backs for this week. So I'll start off with my guys. John, same thing. If you got a guy, or if you uh, want to say something about one of these guys, just kind of hold your hold your finger up just like last time. That was perfect. Um, so first guy, I'll be honest, this is kind of my least favorite out of the ones I'm putting out this week. But Evan Hall really has been the almost the entire offense for Northwestern these past couple of weeks because they can't figure that quarterback room out whatsoever. And he's going up against a pretty porous Illinois defense uh, against the rush. Not abysmal by any stretch, but they're 70th. There's still plenty of opportunity for him to get points here. And again, he's a guy that gets enough volume that he's going to provide you a safe floor for championship week. Dude has gotten double-digit points in four out of the last five games. Again, if you're just looking for a guy that you know that he's going to get you probably in that 12 to 18 points uh, range, maybe a little bit higher, Evan Hall is your guy for this week. Uh, Second running back I have here. I'm breaking my rules a little bit. I normally say under 40% for my waiver wire pickups, but Braylon Allen, we mentioned him earlier, or John mentioned him earlier with the freshman breakouts. Braylon Allen is too important of a waiver wire pickup for you at this point, not for me not to be sitting here telling you to pick him up. This is the Wisconsin running back we've been looking for. Like We've been wanting since Jonathan Taylor. We thought it was going to be Jalen Berger. We thought it was going to be Ches Malusi there for a second. Braylon Allen has completely broken open the gates for this Wisconsin offense. I am kicking myself because in one of the leagues that I lost last week, I benched Braylon Allen because I was slightly afraid of that Nebraska rushing defense. Uh, by the way, in favor of Travis Dye and uh, Jalen Warren, so you know how that matchup went. Um, <laughs> hey, I played Travis Dye too. Oh my God, that and, was bad. <laughs> and so he's sitting on my bench with 40 points. Braylon Allen, I think at this point, is matchup proof. Uh, he's going up against um, 
I got to forget. I forget. Oh, they're going up against Minnesota this weekend. Pretty good rushing defense. It's not going to matter. Braylon Allen's still going to have an incredible. Still going to have an incredible day. Uh, third one, I'm going to throw out here. Uh, this might be a surprising one for a lot of people, but I'm telling you, James Cook out of Georgia has really cut himself into a significant piece of this Georgia offense going forward. Dude has improved a ton over the course of the season. Used to be a joke among us Georgia fans that every time James Cook got breathed on, he would fall to the ground. Dude has become a much tougher runner and somebody that this Georgia offense continuously rely on as the season starts to heat up for this Georgia team as they're heading into the um, SEC championship. They got Georgia Tech this week. They're going to score a million points on Georgia Tech this week. And I guarantee you, James Cook is going to find the end zone at least once or twice this week. I am telling you, I know... Georgia players, avoid them at all costs. I know. I, I've heard it all, guys. But James Cook, I'm telling you, is a guy that's going to get you a steady floor piece this week. So, fourth guy I'm going to throw up here. I got Mr. Chase Brown, mostly because this is just an absolute matchup nightmare for uh, Illinois versus Northwestern. Northwestern has a, the 119th rushing defense in the country. Uh, the only thing with Chase Brown is that he is a little game script dependent, but I'm not going to worry about that with Northwestern because they're not going to score. They're going to keep this game. Um, at no point do I think Illinois is going to fall behind in this game. So I think that uh, Chase Brown is going to get plenty of volume in games where uh, Illinois is winning. Uh, Chase Brown a averages uh, 30 points. In games where they have either won or are in one-score games, he averages 24.6 carries a game. Dude's going to get a absolute crap load of volume this week. So I think he's absolutely worth picking up and putting into your lineup for championship week. And so those are my four guys. Let's move on to the Gridiron Scholar approved two running backs of this week. So John, who do you got first? First, you probably haven't noticed out in the Mountain West, Titus Swen has really taken over the backfield duties over um, Validay out there. In the last four games, 12 and a half, 16 and a half, 12, and he exploded against Utah State, 28.9 points. Twice in the last month, he's gone over 165 yards rushing. He's also scored four touchdowns in that period. Now, the only downside, you could argue in a PPR league, he's not as valuable because he actually hasn't caught a pass in the last month. I don't know if he's going to have – he has three on the season. So if you're a full-point PPR, it might be a little tougher, but with the multiple touchdowns. And why do I like him this week? Wyoming hosts Hawaii. If it was in Hawaii, I might be a little reluctant. But in general, when the Rainbows have – when the Warriors come to you – on the road late in the season, in the cold, mm -hmm. you know Wyoming's going to run that football down Hawaii's throat. So I like Titus Swen of Wyoming if you're looking for a running back this week. I think that's a great call, John. And I will ask you this because we're getting to that point in the season where people are thinking about dynasty. They're thinking about keepers. Is Titus Swen the kind of guy that you think people should be looking to keep on for their teams next week when they only have like two or when they only have three or four slots that they can keep. I don't know if I would do it for three or four. If it was 10, I would say yes. 
because I do like having the Wyoming running back if I know he's the clear starter. But it would depend a little bit on roster. Four seems a little low, 12-team league, top 48 players. He's probably not that high for me. But if you're looking at top 120, he's probably in 90 to 120, depending on, on I'll watch him again this week against Hawaii. But he's in that range for me right now. Absolutely great. Makes sense. So we'll hit up your last uh, running back pick for this week. Who you got, John? I wrote about him, I think, the same week that you joined me in the waiver wire column. Or it might have been the – I forget, but I recently wrote about him. If you haven't watched Tulane, Tajay Spears is having a really good end of the season. In mm-hmm. the last five games, he's exceeded 100 yards rushing three times. He has five touchdowns, and he has 12 receptions. Tajay Spears is having a very – he's healthy. He got hurt last year as a freshman, and he didn't really have a great start to the season. Tremendously healthy. Here's what I like also about him. Jared, look at his yards per carry. Eight and a half. Seven and a half. half. 5.1, 5.6, 6.1. Man, he just rips off these long runs, and they're playing Memphis. This is is a nice matchup here. Tajay Spears is a pass catcher. He's their goal line back as well. They have Carroll. But he should be able to, you know, if they get within the 20, he's there. What year is Carroll? Is he a senior? I do believe he's at least a junior. You know, but you have that COVID. He might have a year of eligibility. But all, all I know is that if he if he were to leave, Ty oh, Spears would be an absolute monster next year. Yes, I love him in this offense. Very good player. Tasty matchup with Memphis. Go get Tajay Spears. Absolutely. So we'll run through our oops, I turned off the wrong graphic there. My apologies, everybody. Uh, we'll <laughs> run through the um review here real quick. Uh we got six running backs for you guys to pick up this week. I uh, got Evan Hall out of Northwestern. We got Braylon Allen out of Wisconsin, which again, he, he, y'all, I better not be talking about him uh, as, well, actually, this this is the last waiver wires, I guess, so I won't be talking about any of these guys, but even still. Uh, James Cook out of Georgia. Uh, I got Chase Brown out of Illinois, and I got Titus Swen out of Wyoming, and finally, Ty J. Spears out of Tulane. So let's hit up the wide receivers now. Uh, PPR leagues, y'all start listening up here because these are the guys that'll probably change the change the games for you. So, uh, once again, John, you you see a player that you want to uh, talk about? Just stop me. Uh, so, a lot of these wide receivers that I'm going to mention are guys I've talked about on the podcast before. But again, these guys are either to me important pickups or they just have really really great matchups this week that are worth me putting them on here again first guy we got up here is mr mitchell tinsley out of western kentucky uh y'all i think tinsley might have overtaken jared stearns as the wide receiver one in this offense (laughs) and that's available on 66 percent of waiver wires right now if you aren't rushing to grab him for your teams right now what are you doing the wide receiver one out of Western Kentucky going forward, as long as that coaching staff stays there, as long as that scheme is still there, is going to become one of the most valuable commodities that you can have 
in CFF. So go pick him up right now. It does not matter who they play against every week. They pass the ball. They do nothing but pass the ball. So he's going to get so many targets and so many receptions. It won't even matter if he like. It won't even matter if he breaks off for a, a 200-yard game or nothing. Just his sheer volume will be enough for you. Next guy I got up here, Mr. Ryan O'Keefe, out of UCF. He's taken over that wide receiver one role for UCF. Jalen Robinson just can't stay healthy for them. And again, he's taken over that wide receiver one role, just won't give it back. And guess who they're playing this week? Rivalry game, South Florida. Guess what? They're 122nd against the pass. Um, go ahead and pick him up and expect him to put up some big numbers for you guys this week. Uh, next guy I got up, this is a guy I've been recommending for weeks, and I'm not going to stop now, y'all. Trayvon Rudolph, wide receiver out of Northern Illinois, uh, redshirt freshman. Uh, dude has absolutely taken over for this offense, and he's going to get peppered with targets. And they are manufacturing touches for him now, which is always a good sign for you whenever you see a player in CFF. They are um, getting him on jet sweeps. I believe he scored a 75-yard rushing touchdown this past week. Um, they're going up against the uh, 32nd um, passing game or the 32nd passing defense in Western Michigan. So obviously not a great matchup. But again, I think the fact that Northern Illinois is looking to get him the ball in every way, shape, and form should tell you that he's going to get the touches you need to perform well this week, regardless of the defense. And it's actually really funny. Uh, so John and I both have a Tennessee wide receiver that we want to recommend this week. But I'm going back to my guy, Cedric Tillman, uh, wide receiver out of Tennessee, owned on 23% of rosters. Again, dude, I knew this guy coming into the Georgia game when Georgia was playing Tennessee. I knew he was going to give Georgia fits. And guess what he did? 10 receptions for 200 yards in that game. Absolute monster. Anybody who can do that against Georgia's defense is worth having on your roster. Had another 100-yard game again this past week against South Alabama. And again, going up against Vandy this week. What, like, perfect scenario. Wide receiver one in a Josh Heupel offense going up against Vandy. You can't go wrong with that. But even still, John, you got two guys you want to talk about here. One of them, of which is actually a Tennessee wide receiver. So, Tell me, John, or tell me, John, why do you like Valus Jones uh, coming out of Tennessee as well? Well, first, you just mentioned it. The matchup against Vanderbilt is so incredibly amazing. And it's Coach Heupel. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has turned around this Volunteers offense and the whole team in general. I did not expect him to turn it around like that. We've seen Tennessee year after year get a lot of hype. They had a lot of talent. And they just were not able to put it together. Mm-hmm. I thought Heupel was a good signing, but I thought it would take him at least a full season to get the athletes into the program to do what he wanted to do. But Vilas Jones and Cedric Tillman were on campus. They were ready. They were willing to go. I mean, here's what's amazing. Vilas Jones has a 20% team market share in mm-hmm. a hypo offense cha-ching he has 64 tra- targets cha-ching he returned a kickoff last week so if you do get special teams touchdowns he might have value there i know i know jared is mad because our league didn't have special teams i we just didn't talk about it we didn't click the button maybe we change that for next year 
But Vilas Jones is a player in a, you mentioned dynasty. Mm-hmm. I think both Tillman and Jones next year, dynasty keeper redraft leagues. When you're looking at that Josh Heupel offense, we know they're running, I believe they're first in number of plays per game. I believe you know, it. In, in between snaps. So we know more snaps, more passes, more opportunities. Love Vilas Jones, and how can you not like the Vanderbilt matchup? So either wide receiver, hey, they both could be great this week. Oh, yeah, that's what I was about to mention. Like, if you can't get Tillman, because, again, Tillman's owned on 23%. If you can't get Tillman, Vilas Jones probably flying under the radar for a lot of people, and he's got about as many receptions as Tillman's had. Tillman has a better yardage, more touchdowns, yeah. and stuff like that. But even still, Vilas Jones easily could break out this week. I love the pick here, John. So let's hit up your last wide receiver. Who do you got? I was talking about Aiden O'Connell, and I've been scouting David Bell because I know he's going to go to the NFL. And in the last two weeks, I've been watching Milton Wright. And, Jared, this is the classic example. You have the ultimate alpha male. You Mm -hmm. have a college-level prospect. Defensive coordinators have to double or umbrella or blanket coverage or put zone coverage. Well, what is that leaving? Milton Wright is literally one-on-one on the opposite side. I think they schemed a little bit for him in the last two games. 15 touchdowns, 15 receptions. <laughs> 15 touchdowns. Yeah, 15 receptions, 311 yards, and four touchdowns. He's always in advantageous situation. Milton Wright here is getting peppered with targets and as we mentioned, they play Indiana. If you want someone, Milton Wright, 10%, go get him. I think he can help you a ton this week. I mean, this is the, almost the exact same scenario in which we saw David Bell break out because everybody, yes. everybody was focusing on Rondale Moore, rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, but da- but David Bell used that opportunity. Milton Wright now using the opportunity with David Bell getting uh, double covered, with David Bell getting all the attention. Like you said, John, these last two games, he's taken that opportunity. Uh, and so I'll ask you, John, is Milton Wright somebody that people should be looking at grabbing for their rosters and using a keeper spot on? Because if he is that number one wide receiver for Purdue next year, I think that's a huge, huge boost for him. If he comes in, if they don't bring in a top flight, even a freshman's probably not going to outdo him immediately. And I'm I'm 99% sure Bell's going to the NFL. Yes, I think Milton Wright in that system with no ch- – let me say this, no changeover at the coaching staff. Fair enough. Same, same coaching staff, same system. Yes, absolutely am interested in Milton Wright. All right, so I'll go run through these wide receivers for you guys real quick. Um, just to review what we got here. We got Mitchell Tinsley out of Western Kentucky. We got Ryan O'Keefe out of UCF. We got Trayvon Rudolph out of Northern Illinois. We got Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee. We got Valish Jones out of Tennessee. And then we got, finally, Mr. Milton Wright out of Purdue. So, uh, we've, hit, we've hit quarterbacks. We've hit running backs. We've hit wide receivers. Let's hit up those tight ends. We only got three of them here because you guys have let me know you want less tight ends or you want less tight end <laughs> options. Listen, y'all, I like I, I like giving every position their due, but also 
I, I am emboldened to you guys. So we got three of them here, and I think we got three pretty good ones for you guys. Uh, first one I got up here, uh, Mr. Peyton Hendershot out of Indiana. I've been pushing for this guy for a long time. Indiana's offense is struggling. The one consistent thing right now is that Peyton Hendershot continues to get targets every single week, no matter who's at quarterback, because even if they're changing quarterbacks constantly, the best, uh, a struggling quarterback's best friend is a check down to the tight end. And Peyton Hendershot, while may while he may not be able to find the end zone pretty consistently because Indiana just can't get to the end zone, if you're in a PPR league, he's going to get you plenty of points from there. So, John, I'll let you have the last two guys here. So, who do we got first? And I'm only going to dip if I'm desperate. I mean, probably if you're the final two, you, you probably, probably have a good time. gotten a solid tight end, but you never know. Um, I do like Will Mallory. We talked about Tyler Van Dyke. What's amazing is Mallory has 38 targets, 10% market share, 82 fantasy points, but mm-hmm. he's playing much better down the stretch here. I like, we were high on, or not everyone, but there were people like Mallory in the beginning of the year, but Miami's offense is just, it's amazing. You think about that. They started with Derek King and how much better they are since they put in Tyler Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. And now Mallory's a legitimate fantasy tight end so if you need someone go ahead great matchup they might put up 40 points in this game and one thing I will, I'll, I'll throw out here and john we talked about this i believe back when you were on our um when you were on one of our mock draft specials is a lot of times when you're struggling at tight end in cff a lot of times you just need to go and grab the tight end of one of the quarterbacks that you're starting yes. because a lot of times you're going you're gonna to find a sea of mediocrity at tight end. But if you can double up on your quarterback randomly passing to, the, to their tight end, even if they don't usually do, and getting that touchdown in that scenario, that's huge for you. If you're playing yes. Tyler Van Dyke this week, I don't see any reason why you shouldn't also pick up Will Mallory and maybe start Will Mallory. Again, assuming you aren't already set at the tight end position, like John said. If you're in the, if you're in the championship, you're likely already fine. So, one last guy, John, who do we got? Hey, we like Braylon Anderson. And since Braylon Anderson's running the football, it has opened up a mediocre passing game. Because, <laughs> I mean, you're committing so many defenders to stop Allen. Mm-hmm. When you watch Wisconsin, Jake Ferguson is finding a lot of open space in the middle of the field. Now, here's what's interesting, right? the the paradox of the Wisconsin passing game. They don't have a lot of throws, but Ferguson has a 23% market share of yes, that small. So it balances out. Mallory's the high side up end. If you're looking for a nice floor, you know he's going to get six targets. If you get in the end zone, you're solid. Jake Ferguson's your guy of Wisconsin. Yes, sir. I love I love that call right there. Again, three pretty solid tight ends if you're struggling at tight end for whatever reason this week in your championship matchup. So uh, review those real quick again. It is uh, Mr. Peyton Hendershot of Indiana. We got Will Mallory out of Miami. And we got Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin. So, John, appreciate you bringing in your waiver wire picks for this week. And I hope you guys use those going forward into your championship weeks. Lots of great matchups that you can take advantage of. Again, another reason why I love CFF, because picking up a waiver wire isn't always just about 
picking up somebody because you got one of your starters got injured. It's sometimes you just having two or three spots where you just rotate matchup guys. You rotate guys that, okay, they're not going to produce for me every single week, but when they have the right matchup, they're going to explode. And you can still take advantage of that on championship week, which I love. So, <laughs> we have talked about our waiver wire pickups, and now we're going to move on to our um, game recaps from this past week. We had an incredible week 12. It's crazy to think we only got one week of the regular season left, and it still feels like there's so many questions up in the air. Uh, we got seven games to get to and not a ton of time, so we're just going to go ahead and jump right on into this. I'll start off with Michigan-Ohio State. And my thoughts on this game really just boils down to what was Mel Tucker thinking? Ah! And it really, so a lot of people want to praise Ohio State in this game, rightfully so. I mean, what they did was impressive. Um, but also, let's not forget that Ohio State, one of the best passing offenses in the country, went up against Michigan State, who is easily 130th in the passing defense. This was a matchup nightmare made in hell. Um, it was. It, like, it was. But again, if you're Mel Tucker and you know that, you know that, you know that they're going to try to take advantage of you. If I was a head coach, I would try to slow the game down. The last thing I would want to do is continuously give Ohio State the ball back with consistent three and outs without running any of the clock. But what does Mel Tucker do? He tries to commit to the pass game really early on in this game. And I get it. It's Ohio State. You think you have to score in order to keep up with them. But also you have a Heisman running back in Kenneth Walker. And the two most legitimate running backs that Ohio State has seen this year, C.J. Verdell and Muhammad Ibrahim, ran all over them. Now granted, early on in the season, I get it. But even still, you don't want to at least try that pretty early on, I'd say. And again... I just didn't understand because again, everybody was talking about like, oh my god, they hit, they put up 45, 49 points in a single half against uh, Michigan State. I'm like, yeah, that's what's going to happen when you give them three and outs, don't run any clock whatsoever, and you just let them do what they wanted to do to you. I, again, the bigger story to me was Ohio State. the The 56 number is impressive. The more impressive number to me is the seven. Ohio State holding Michigan State to seven points, I think, was the bigger story. A lot of people have had questions about Ohio State's defense. I think they put up a incredible performance that really kind of made people kind of stand up and say, oh, Ohio State's figuring things out on defense now. That makes them a very legitimate title contender going forward, if you didn't think that already. John, what are your thoughts on this game? I'm just going to go to one thing then. If you're just a numbers guy and you haven't watched football, I've watched football for 45 years. Mm -hmm. Michigan State just got deflated so quickly, my friend. Mm -hmm. And once Kenneth Walker was done, there was nothing. He was the heart and soul of the team. They fell behind too quick. Mm -hmm. Peyton Thorne is a nice quarterback, and they have nice little receivers. This is Ohio State. They put up a 50 spot on you in Ohio. And Michigan State just wasn't ready for it psychologically and mentally. Mm -hmm. And losing Walker, I mean, I agree with you. How come Walker didn't have 10 carries in the first quarter is beyond me. I think now he did get hurt. So I, but like that's, yeah. I, that should have been the goal. Like, check first 10 plays scripted, eight of them are going to Kenneth Walker. We've mm -hmm. got to keep the Buckeyes off the field. And if we don't, we're going to lose. 
So why am I getting in a track meet? I'm not going to beat Ohio State with those receivers. And I have the worst pass defense in college football. It's not like the Spartans were good defensively. They had no hope. The only hope was to keep the ball. I would say they should have been playing keep away the entire game. I'm not sure what was going through their head. Again, I like Mel Tucker. He comes from the Georgia. So do I. He he comes from the Georgia tree. Clearly, he is a culture fit at Michigan State. I expect him to be there a long time. What he's done this year has been incredible for them. But it's definitely definitely a mind mind blowing experience watching that game. Absolutely. Um, If you don't got anything else to say about this game, John, we can move on to the next one. And I'll let you start off with your thoughts on this one. We got number 21, Arkansas, versus the number two team, Alabama. Final score, 42-35. to Alabama wins it. John, what are your initial thoughts on this game? I think Bryce Young won the Heisman yesterday. All right. I'm pretty pretty convinced of it. Um, Barring a major collapse in the final game of the season, if you look at the record, look at 559 yards yesterday against Arkansas. Isn't that an Alabama record? I'm pretty sure I read that's an Alabama passing record. I will the, look the that numbers, up for you. He, the numbers he put up were silly. It is the system. It is Nick Saban. I think he has lots of incredible skills. His release is outstanding. He's not a runner. He's more of a pocket quarter pocket passer, uh, but his I'm, release is amazing. I'll cut, I'll cut in real quick. You were correct. That was a record for the most amount of passing yards in a single game by an Alabama quarterback. Yes. And while I don't think like when I think, and I'm old, so I've seen Heisman's for, you know, 45 years. He doesn't fit that. Oh my God. Like Johnny Manziel, mm-hmm. Kyler Murray, um, Vinny Testaverde, for those who remember him at the university of Miami was unbelievable. But everyone else has fallen down. Mm-hmm. Like Kenneth Walker, it was his day yesterday. I mean, he had the Michigan game. But you know what? You need more than one game. And when he had a chance to get, he, he had what, 40 yards? Like it was not even that. I, I he, had, he had 3.9 fantasy points by the end of the day. That, I mean, you can't have that type of game late in the season for your team to win the Heisman. I mean, so I, that's why I think, and two other thoughts, and I'll let you okay. go. Man, if you have not been scouting this year, Jameis Williams, everyone, he's going in the first round of the NFL draft. I'm sorry. You're not paying attention. The NFL loves Oklahoma receivers. I'm sorry, Alabama receivers. He's incredibly fast. He's ridiculous. He's a, he's a difference maker, and he might be better than like um, Henry Ruggs. I actually think he is better than Henry Rucks. I don't think he's as good as Devonta Smith, but he's great. And yesterday, everyone's talking about Williams, myself included. No one's noticing John Mechie had 10 receptions for 173 yards and a mm-hmm. touchdown. They're loaded. I will say this. Arkansas, I give K.J. Jefferson a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. I thought he played good football. I did not expect that game. Obviously, I didn't expect Traylon Burks to bust. I thought he might be good, you know. Five for 70 and a touchdown. Boy, was he incredible. He's all man. He's mm-hmm. a first round pick in the. Sorry. Like, people who worry about like route running and separation, look at he wins with size and speed. And the NFL likes size and speed. Exactly. I mean, you can say what you want, but 
When you have freak athletes like DK Metcalf and Traylon Burks, just put them on the field. I mean, I I, I agree 100% basically on all of those guys. The only thing I'll, I'll push back on just a little bit, I do think like, somebody somebody put out a tweet that was like, how do, like how does anybody still want to give Bryce Young the Heisman? I'm like, well, he did put up, uh, you know, five touchdowns at 559 yards yesterday, but, you know, no biggie. Um, no. But, but, uh, but I'm going to push back on saying he won yeah. the Heisman yesterday, mostly because, let's not forget, the Heisman voting takes place after conference championship weekend. And let's yes. not forget who he has to face in the conference championship weekend. He's got to face that Georgia defense. And the unfortunate thing for any player in Heisman conversation, Heisman voters have a ton of recency bias. If he oh, goes yeah. into that game and struggles, that could be the de- that could be the nail in a coffin for what normally would be an incredible Heisman campaign. Now, of course, he goes and lights up Georgia's defense. Like, well, that's yeah, like, that. Like then that then that's that. He's won the Heisman. But even still, if he struggles in that game, that could be, I think, a struggle point for him, regardless of how great his season has gone so far. Oh, I agree. If he lays a stinker. That that and then we really have a conundrum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then it's like, whoa, it's not a very good Heisman year. <laughs> it, it's, and that's why we should give it to a defensive player. Like, you uh, know, well, that's a, <laughs> I'm I'm saying Will and Will. I do like Will Anderson a lot, and this is that's another name I'm going to throw out here in this game. Will Anderson. I I, I talked to my sister about this. My sister's an Alabama fan. And yeah, so yeah. I and and she's actually close with uh, right. somebody who's involved with the program, <laughs> and. I, I mentioned, like, when I watched these games, I said it feels like Will Anderson at times feels like he's the only Bama defender right now who's playing up to the Bama standard. And she says, yeah, it feels that way here, too. This defense just doesn't feel like a Bama defense right now, not just in terms of quality, but just in terms of its toughness right now. And to me, I think that's going to bite them going forward. It's almost bit them several times. Here, like again, Bama should drop in the rankings this week because we clowned Oklahoma for the amount of close wins that they had. Bama needs to start beginning the same treatment as well. And again, I know it's Bama. I know we always have to take them seriously, but again, this is this was a rough, rough experience for Bama because Georgia shut out this Arkansas team. Like, let's not forget that. This is a team that Auburn put away relatively quickly. Um, Bama really had no business at this point of getting into a shootout with Arkansas if they wanted to be considered in that same top tier as like a Georgia, as an Ohio State right now. So I think this is actually a really big game for Alabama. I don't think the Iron Bowl is going to be much competitive next week, but it definitely does, I think, change the perspective on how people are looking at Bama going forward after this game. So let's move on to the next one. Uh, The Shocker out west. I don't think... I'll go ahead and say the name. We're talking about Oregon. We're talking about Utah. Final score of 38-7. to Utah wins. I don't think people were shocked by Utah winning this game. I mean, Utah was favored by three points. Yes, like, they, like, I was going to say. Yeah. Like, a lot of people knew that this was a bad spot for Oregon. I don't think people expected them to win in the way that they did. It was complete no. and utter domination by the Utes. And I think it really proved what I think a lot of people were thinking about Oregon in that... They're not a team built to come from behind. Once they fell behind in this game, things fell apart very quickly for them because Anthony Brown is just like, he's a good, consistent quarterback, especially in CFF. I mean, he laid a stinker in this one, don't get me wrong. But he's not a passer. He's not a good passer. And it's not something he couldn't 
unlock that second gear of the Oregon offense, even with the talent they have at receiver. Um, I think that's what dug them in on this game, and Utah was able to run the ball down with uh, Tavian Thomas, who had an absolutely tremendous day uh, for him. I, I now am labeling him uh, matchup proof, so no matter who he's playing against this weekend, he better be in your starting lineup if you're playing uh, in a CFF championship with him. So those are kind of my thoughts on this game. John, what do you think? My whole perception of Oregon over the last six, seven years, and I hate to use this because I don't watch them live or see their practices. So I don't know all of the ins and outs, Mm -hmm. but they're not physical enough. Every time Oregon comes up against a physically dominant team, except for that Ohio State game. That's why it was so amazing this year. It was like one of the first times I actually saw Oregon pick punch someone in the mouth. But in general, when Oregon comes up with the team and is going to punch you in the mouth, the Ducks don't punch back. Mm -hmm. Utah came, dude. They came out swinging. Three, they went to 13 personnel, and they just told the Ducks, we are going to punch you. Mm-hmm. And we are going to physically beat you up. And they beat them up at the line of scrimmage. And then I, I'm a big believer in this. When you get physically beat by the fourth quarter, you're just physically, you met or you're mentally beat by that time. You can't stop. You could see the Ducks defenders. Mm-hmm. They wanted nothing to do with tackling Utah in the fourth quarter. Yep. They just, they couldn't get off the blocks. They didn't know where the double teams were coming. They didn't know where the traps were coming from. And then, you know, all Utah had to do is throw the ball over the linebackers a little bit. I mean, yeah, I just – and I'm so mad at myself for starting Travis Dye because I knew this was a problem game, and I just – but I'm like, he's so hot, and I'm I'm mad at myself. And he he had six carries, my friend. They just – they couldn't do anything. Mm Mm-hmm. And again, like we honestly, we should have gotten a warning from the Washington game. Like Oregon won that game against Washington, but again, there's another physical team likes to ground and pound the game. And once again, that's where you really saw Oregon struggle in that game. And again, as we get further onto the season, it really does kind of raise the question of like, why was Oregon able to get up so well for the Ohio State game, but no other game? And I think that's just a program problem. It, like, I do like, too. Like it's if you can get like again it's it's the problem that Florida had or with Dan Mullen it's like you can if you can get the sign of a program is not can you get up for the big games because anybody can get up for the big games you can convince anybody on your team it's like hey this game's a big deal the sign of a healthy program is to those players every game is a big game Every game, they need to live up to a standard. And right now, Oregon's not doing that. And that's why they're out of the playoff picture once again, even after another promising year. Let's hit up this next game. John, I'll let you go first. We've got number 10, Wake Forest, going down to Clemson. Final score of 48-27. to 27. What are your thoughts, John? Wow. I mean, Clemson is such a weird team this year. Their defense is high-level caliber. Mm-hmm. They held Wake Forest, who's been destroying people this year, to 27 points. And it was like two garbage time. I think Wake Forest scored the last two touchdowns of the game. Just total garbage time for the Demon Deacons. 
Mm-hmm. But man, oh, we were talking about freshmen. I didn't even mention earlier. Will Shipley. Yes, sir. Hey, he's better than I thought. I knew he was going to be good. He's been the Clemson offense in the last month. I mean, they didn't use him against UConn because they didn't have to. Wasn't that the weirdest thing ever? We just are going to rest our top player. We're not even going to put him in for a series against the Huskies. Well, they, but he came they, out, well, two he, touchdowns, he, he, 112 he, yards. He's great. But DJ, wow. One of, I mean, without having an injury, with a team that's eight and three, when you think DJ was essentially a first round pick, maybe mm-hmm. you got him in the second. I don't remember a real, you know, him and Spencer Rattler, two guys in the same year who were as bad as I can ever remember. And it wasn't because of injury or the team collapsing. It was really just they did not play well. It's such a it's such a head scratcher because like last year we were all ready to f- fly on the DJ train because in his two games he scored like he threw for over four hundred yards and almost I I actually no I think he threw for like just under four hundred yards in one yeah, game yeah yeah he beat no, almost beat Notre Dame and Notre Dame dude he he did yeah uh, again he threw for four hundred yards in like both of yeah. those games and everybody's like all right so this is our next Clemson quarterback he's gonna be rocking next year I again Georgia fans we make the joke that we broke Clemson. In week one, uh, just just threw Jordan Davis in uh, DJ's face, just broke him from there, then on out the rest of the season. And like, again, that's fun to joke about and everything. But like, it really is just one of the biggest head scratchers in college football in recent me- memory. Just what happened to DJ? Was it NIL? Was it him just not having the focus that he needed to? Again, like not not saying that NIL is a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination. I love the fact that players can now make money. But again, you are going to have cases where people are going to let it go to their heads a little bit. Maybe they think that they don't have to work as hard. Is that the case that happened here? I don't know DJ personally, so I'm not going to say that. But I'm saying that it's a possibility. Uh, John, you mentioned Will Shipley. Uh, deservedly so. He had 19 carries, 112 yards, two touchdowns in this game. Well, let's talk about the other Clemson running back here that I think a lot of people wrote off as the season went on because everybody wants to hype onto the five-star train. But Kobe Pace had 24 carries for 191 yards and two touchdowns in this game. He had every bit to do with Clemson absolutely dominating this game as Will Shipley did. So I just want to throw him out there. And then Bo Collins as well at receiver. Four receptions, 137 yards, and a touchdown. Congratulations to him. Clemson, maybe you found your next big wide receiver because Joseph Mangata didn't work out. Frank Ladson didn't work out. EJ Williams isn't really working out. Like, good God, a Joe a Joe isn't really working out. Like, but maybe Bo Collins. Maybe Bo Collins. And you know, can I just say, Clemson draft a route runner. You need an elite separator like Hunter Renfro. You need that. They well, can't they, just keep going with these big boys. Well, they they also need somebody with speed. They needed yeah. somebody like Amari Rogers who could take the top off of a defense when they needed yes. it to. Again, I've been saying this all year long. The problem with Clemson is that all their receivers can fit in the same cardboard cutout if they, they wanted are. to. They're all the same. They're all six foot two, like 190, 200 pounds, and they all do the exact same skill set, and that's easy yes. to defend against. Yes. But even so, congratulations to Clemson. This is a big win in what's otherwise a very, very terrible year for them uh, in terms of relativity. Um, so congrats to them. Hopefully they can continue their high streak here. Uh, but we'll hit up the next game here. The big group of five matchup of the weekend. All I can say is, wow. Cincinnati, 48. 
SMU 14, and the final score does not show how just an utter domination this game was. I was I, I turned this game on, ready to watch a legitimate matchup between SMU and Cincinnati, ready to see them give a test to Cincinnati, maybe even upset them. I was, ta- I was talking to people in the morning, I'm like, I think SMU might take down Cincinnati today. God, was I wrong. I was so, so wrong. I've never, Clemson, or Cincinnati's defense deserves so much credit in this game. You held Tanner Mordecai, who's been a CFF darling all year long, to 66 yards passing. That is absolutely insane. Rashi Rice was the leading receiver for them. He had seven receptions for 21 yards. That should be illegal. That should be illegal. Like, good God. Um, and then Cincinnati again. It it was it felt like it was over before it even began. Just quick strike after quick strike. This is what Cincinnati should have been doing the past couple of weeks. I think they shut up a lot of doubters this weekend. But the problem is, I need to. See, it's like you want to see this every single week. It's impressive they did it against the team that was most likely to give them a challenge. Do not get me wrong. But even still, I want to see more of this from Cincinnati. I think. With everything going on, they're likely still in the playoffs. But I think in order for people to take them seriously, they need to continue to do this. And again, it can't just be the big games. Like I said with Oregon, it has to be every single game. If people want, if you want them to take you seriously. John, what are your thoughts on this game? I've noticed this about SMU over the last four or five years, because everyone knows I really enjoy the American Athletic Conference. They play like ponies about four times a year. When the Mustangs, when they're front runners and they're beating people over the top with their passing game and their wide receivers are wide open and they get those giant running lanes because the defense is defending the pass, they're really good, the Mustangs. And you mentioned it, Tanner Mordecai was one of the best fantasy quarterbacks this year. But when you just line up, you lock down those receivers You force SMU to be physical and throw into tight open lanes or tight lanes. Mm -hmm. They're ponies. And once they fall behind, you would think a team with a passing game should it, like you had mentioned, Oregon could not come back. Like Mm -hmm. Anthony Brown just is not structured in his skill set to come back. But there's no excuse for these for the ponies. They do this too much. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing, you mentioned it. The reason why he had seven catches were 21 yards, I've said this for a long time. The Bearcats wrap and bring you down. Mm-hmm. I love how the Bearcats play defense. Look, they're not as physical as George. I know that. But the Bearcats, you don't get easy touchdowns on them. You're going to have to earn it. Their secondary is fast. It wraps. It covers. It breaks you down. Mm -hmm. Very good defense. And I'll say this on the offensive side. Desmond Ritter's playing the best football of his career right now. You Mm -hmm. look at his last three or four games, he's been spectacular. And I have have a second-round grade on him, and I still have more analysis, but I've seen Desmond Ritter now about 18 times. I've watched a lot of Desmond Ritter. Second-round grade, I'm pretty strong with that. He might go in the first because of his intangibles. And he's won a lot of games, which in NFL, you just need one franchise to fall in love with that type of, you know, uh, intangibles and they'll draft them. But Ritter's playing great. 
But I'm right now, don't overlook this game against Houston in the oh, AAC no. championship game. Houston's 8-0 in the conference. They're going to give the Bearcats a much better fight than SMU. Bearcats will be favored. They're the better team. <clears throat> but Houston's only got one loss. I'm looking forward to that game in two weeks. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to that game as well. I, I agree with you 100% that Cincinnati cannot afford to overlook that game. I don't think they will. Again, no, I don't what, think so either. From, from what I can tell, Luke Fickle's able to get them up for the big games. Again, the, the ones that honestly worry me more than anything else right now are those games like against USF, like against Tulsa, like against... Um, God, uh, like against Navy and stuff like that. That that stretch was almost damning for Cincinnati there for a second there. Because again, if you can't put away teams that are that bad, it definitely started raising questions. Now again, SMU quieted a lot of that stuff. When they needed to play, they could play. And as a Georgia fan, we played Cincinnati last year in the Peach Bowl. Peach Bowl. Oh, I got, what a great game that was. I got nothing but respect for the Bearcats. I know that they can when they need to play with some of the top teams in the country. But even still, they cannot afford to lose focus this late into the season. We'll hit up our next game here. John, this is one you specifically requested, so I'll let you get started on it. We got UCLA 62, USC 33. Yikes. What do you got, John? Well, first, 95 points, and I feel like no one is discussing this game in the college football universe. Now, I get it. Neither team's having a great season. UCLA 7-4, USC's 4-6. and six. Mm-hmm. But when you score 95 points combined, it, it deserves to be talked about. And I'm old. There is something special about California when you're on the East Coast watching a 4 p.m. kickoff. They got the bright sun. It's different than our sun on the East Coast. We got the winter weather now, the mm-hmm. cold. And it just harkened back to my childhood and my dad. Because when I was a kid, USC was a lot. And UCLA oh, yeah. were on the 4 o'clock games. And it was always special. My dad and I at the wood stove in the winter watching these California teams. And then you have the Rose Bowl where you have that 4.30 kickoff. And it was special. But, man, 60, where has this UCLA? They're such a conundrum. They drive me crazy. This Chip Kelly offense. I mean, Dorian Thompson Robinson out of nowhere, basically, decides to have 349 yards passing, four touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. Zach Charbonnet, who's been good all year, very underrated, 167 yards and a touchdown. I mean, just mind-blowing. And if anyone started Dorian Thompson Robinson, tweet me, because I just find it fascinating. And... We got a glimpse of the future. Jackson Dart, while he wasn't great, he is a true freshman. Mm-hmm. Did have 325 yards, but he did throw two interceptions. But this player, Gary Bryant Jr., the wide receiver. Yes, sir. Hey, they have talent at USC at wide receiver. For him to go out in that game, nine for 161 and a touchdown, he's only a sophomore. He might be next in line next year for those big-time target numbers for the Trojans. Now, who's going to coach the offense? Are they, you know, we we have questions, mm-hmm. but there's talent there, I think. I, I agree with you 100%. And I'm uh, not at all bitter that Gary Bryan Jr. was also one of the players on uh, Justin's <laughs> team. 
who if he just had one less reception uh, would have won. Anyway, I, y'all, I'm not bitter about that at all, I promise. Um, but even so, you're right. This is a game that I don't think anybody's really talking about because, like you said, people are... Again, UCLA was so interesting at the beginning of the year. Yes! It, it, like, they destroyed Hawaii, and everybody's like, okay, Hawaii might be really bad. And then they started rattling off a couple of big wins, and everybody was like, oh my god, like, is UCLA really figured out this Chip Kelly offense? Yeah, they beat LSU! They beat which LSU. doesn't look as good now, but... Oh, it looks awful now, but even still. <laughs> um, but even still, like, back then, it's like, really interesting team, and then it's just... Took a loss to Fresno State, which is a great team, by the way. Fre- yeah. Fresno State's a great team. Um, they took a loss to Fresno State, and then it's just like one or two mediocre performances in there, and people just kind of forgot about them as they went off. But that's a really interesting team that got UCLA there. I, I'm excited to see what they do in the future. Ethan Garbers, if DTR does declare or if he does graduate this year, I think Ethan Garbers will be an interesting quarterback to follow. And then, like you said, Jackson Dart and Gary Bryant Jr. really are those two names on that USC offense. we got to be looking forward to. Um, yeah, and then again, the big question with USC is definitely the where the coach comes from, what kind of system yes. they're going to try to implement. It'll be very, very interesting because USC, like while a lot of people have talked about like these big-name schools that have opened up this year, you got Florida. Uh, by the way, uh, yeah, we we've gone through this entire show. We haven't mentioned the fact that Dan Mullen got fired at Florida this morning. I I, I don't. I'm speechless. I don't. I, I'm blown away. I'm blown away. But um, we got three. We got three big name schools: USC, LSU, and Florida, all looking for coaches now. It's going to be interesting to see how USC positions themselves there as something that a big time head coaching candidate is going to want to come to. Because again, you got Florida. You got. Uh, LSU open right now and I'm sure there probably will be another two, uh, big school or two that will probably surprise us all by the end of the season and again I, I'll be interested to see what happens there but we got one more game to hit up here um, and that's going to be Pittsburgh number 18 Pittsburgh uh, beats Virginia 41 to 31 I tweeted out while I was watching this game I was like if you're not watching this game what are you doing what are you doing and it's as simple as the fact that, like, so I, so I tweet that out, and, like, almost immediately, I don't even know who this person was. I've never seen them, like, like any of my tweets. I've never seen them, like, do anything. I guess they're just looking up Pittsburgh uh, on Twitter or something like that. But they just come in there, and they're just like, uh, they're like, um, Pittsburgh's defense is trash. I'm like, yes, and it's glorious. That's uh, why we love Pittsburgh. <laughs> and I'm like, and, and I'm like, Virginia too. Like it, like it's perfect. Just yes. points galore in this game, and really, uh, Kenny Pickett is starting to get first round buzz for the NFL draft. I don't pride myself as somebody as a scout in terms of trying to figure out who's going to perform well in the NFL. I will say I don't get the picket love at the NFL level. I got it before the season for CFF because he's a dual-threat quarterback, and I thought, okay, he might be a good sleeper uh, pretty early on. I don't get the love at the NFL level yet. That's just me. Uh, But to me, the big story here was just his connection with Jordan Addison in this game was out of control. Loved, loved, loved what I saw there. Um in addition to that, it was great to see Brennan Armstrong come back into this game. Didn't have his best of CFF days, but I guarantee you, if you did start him in your playoff, you were perfectly happy with, I think he got 28 points with uh, four-point passing touchdowns. Like, like, obviously, you'd love to see more, especially out of a guy like Brennan Armstrong, but even still, 
Uh, you're just really glad to see him back more than anything else. Um, and then I'm trying to think, anything else really that stood out to me in this game? Again, just this was just one of the major games that are just, like John said earlier, ACC is the new Big 12, at least for this year. Oh, so, yeah. John, what do you think about this game? I, you know, I wish I had more information on Brennan Armstrong. They were tight-lipped about mm-hmm. him starting. I mean, it was very hard until the very last second. So I only had him in one of my lineups yesterday, but I owned him on three of the teams. That, but I had good – I had, like, Tyler Van Dyke. So yeah. I can't say it, it wasn't a terrible. But I, I would have played Armstrong if I knew he was healthy. Yeah. But, man, Jordan Addison, what a – day he had Mm -hmm. he's a star now i am concerned who's the quarterback for Pitt next year because addison is is pickett's guy and pickett's had a first class season so i'm very interested where will jordan addison rank next year to me that's an interesting thought i haven't put a lot into it but go ahead i'll put i'll put a thought in here and i think pitt hits the transfer portal Um, I don't think you see I, none of the backup quarterbacks in their blowouts really have struck me as clearly this is the next guy up. One name that I am seeing people kind of throw around, I think it's interesting. It, it would be I would be shocked if this actually happened. Uh, but people are saying Kyle McCord to Pittsburgh. Ooh. Isn't he from Pennsylvania? I believe he's from Pennsylvania. That's why yeah. I see I've seen people say to Penn State, but a lot of people starting to say to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, with this year they've had with Kenny Pickett, suddenly becomes a pretty attractive spot for quarterbacks, especially if they are able to get Kenny Pickett into the first round. So if Kyle McCord does go to Pittsburgh, I think that's your answer right there. You know, another interesting one, I think Keaton Slovis should go to the group of five in okay. general. That's what. However, Keaton Slovis with this offense might be interesting too. Um, there are. I agree with you. There are quarterbacks in the transfer portal who are interested. Now, everyone's got a war. Mm-hmm. It's probably why they're in the portal. But I do think it's fascinating. And then Dontavian Wicks. Please, yes, sir. Please let Brennan Armstrong come back. Because, oh. man, if Brennan Ar- – and he should come back. He's not ready for the NFL yet. No. If he comes back, Dontavian Wicks, he might be a top six wide receiver in college fantasy football. His would, numbers would, are off the charts. Would, would Armstrong be the 101 next year, you think? You know, he's he's in the conversation. There's no question about it. I mean, Caleb the, Williams, Caleb, you oh, might right. bet Caleb, on this system, right? Bra- I Bra- mean, Braylon Allen, uh, Trayvon Henderson. Bryce Young. Bryce Young, you're right, you're right. He's top five. I mean, he's top five in There's my There's a lot book. of good no top options next year. That's going to be a fun, yes. fun year next year. But we'll get into the draft talk later on. Um, that's actually our last game that we're going to be talking about tonight. John, I want to thank you so much for coming in here. I know we went probably a little bit longer than uh, you probably wanted to because you got your bedtime to get to. Uh, but... For those who don't know, I'm a teacher and I have to get up at 5.30 with the dogs. So, But that's fine. I had a blast, my friend. You know, hey, I, I'm okay to lose half an hour of sleep. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And just... Let everybody know out there, if for some reason they're following this channel, but they don't know who you are, uh, first of all, how did that happen? I want to know that story. (laughs) But second of all, let everybody know who's listening here, what you're working on, and where they can find you on any and all platforms. Hey, it's the end of the season. We're doing our 2021 CFF All-American team. 
It is the seventh year. I cannot believe I've been around long enough to have seven consecutive years of the All-American team. I love to look back. We also have all the lists of all the past winners. That'll be out probably the first week of December. Takes a little while to put all the pieces together, but please give it a read. It's on fan tracks every year. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, I am not doing a waiver wire column this week because of family and Thanksgiving holidays and the readership, obviously, what maybe two teams are left. Some leagues are actually finished, right, Jared? Mm-hmm. Yes, and sir. then, you know, so, <laughs> and then we have, um, you know, a lot of teams, there's only two teams out of 12 or 14 remaining. Yeah. So I'm going to post my waiver wire pickups on my Twitter feed and my sleepers of the week on Twitter, as I've been doing all year. But please give me a follow, Gridiron Skull 91 And I can't thank you enough. I think this is the third or fourth time I've been with you this season, Jared. It was a pleasure to meet you in the Kings Classic, um, you know, in in August. Look forward to next year. But thanks for having me on and hope to see you again, you know, over the winter. Absolutely, John. Again, thank you so much for coming on. And all of y'all listening at home, I didn't give you my spiel early on. But honestly, I've said it so many times, you guys better have memorized it by this point. If you are watching this on YouTube, please make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, comment down below. You can comment on anything you want. You can tell me, Jared, it's awesome that you had the Gridiron Scholar on here on Championship Week. You can tell me, Jared, that's a cool new shirt you got going on right there. Y'all, I... Or you can say, Jared, I'm freaking out in my Championship League this week. I don't know who to start. I love any and all comments. I love any and all engagement with you guys. It's one of the things I pride myself on. You can DM me on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared. Normally, uh, my co-host, Xavier, who's been on kind of a hiatus here for a little bit of a while, but you can always contact him. He is at CFF underscore Xavier on Twitter. If you're listening to us on podcasts, form, wherever you're listening, make sure you're following us there, whether it be Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening to Apple Podcasts, I always love those five-star reviews. They make me feel warm and fuzzy inside. So everyone, if you're in a championship this week, congratulations. You've made it much farther than a lot of people in your champion in your uh, leagues have made it. You have worked hard to get to this point. Just remember, take a deep breath. It's one, it's just one more fantasy game. Do what you normally do, and good luck to each and every one of you. Have a wonderful day.